Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let's stand. Welcome all of you watching online. So glad that you're with us. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's October, and that means that uh, we are in for another holiday, which the church historically has either uh, ignored, criticized, not recognized, whatever. But it is a month where, obviously, uh, people kind of thrive on creating a little fear and scary stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so we all have to address fear in our lives, so I thought this would be a, a good month to address it and, and discuss it. Uh, I don't know how many of you ever grew up with fear, or fearing that there was something under your bed when you were a kid and things of that nature. There's different things. People are afraid of heights. People are afraid of so many different things. And oftentimes, the way we approach those things is we deny their existence or we don't, we don't confront them or talk about them. So today, I'll begin this series by talking about how many confronting fear and gaining courage. And uh, how many of you know that there's always going to be somebody out there that wants to scare you? You know, don't do this, don't fly, don't go here, don't go there. And, and uh, to me, a lot of the, the reasons for that is to keep us from our destiny. And there will be people who will attack that. There was a, a young Baptist minister who just got out of seminary and was very excited about his future and pastoring people and preaching and doing everything he was called to do. And he moved to a small little town, uh, as is often the case when you're just starting out and you're in a de- denomination. But he, he had great aspirations, was a great preacher, great communicator. But every time a pastor would come to this Baptist church in town, there were some brothers who were atheists. And because the town was so small, everybody knew who they were and except the Baptist pastor had not been warned about them. And one day he's sitting in the the diner and they walk in and kind of greet him politely and they decide just to sit down and have a conversation with him. And they they weren't excited. They didn't believe there was a God. So they just thought, well, you know, we're going to have a little fun here. And they looked at the Baptist preacher, all of his bright eyes and desire to do something great. And one of them said, you know, pastor, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to move to Nevada he said, you know, there are only 25% of the people there are Baptist. Well, the uh, brother, other brother had to chime in and said, no, no, I think I'm going to move to Colorado. Because the last time I heard in Colorado, there are only 15%. So we'd even be better off. Third brother chimed in, so I think I'm going to move to New Mexico. Because I understand in New Mexico, only 5% of the people are Baptist. Well, the Baptist pastor looked them all in the eye and said, you know what? You might just want to go to hell because there are no Baptists there. Sometimes you just have to talk back. You just have to face the people who are trying to create fear in your life and doubt and unbelief. You just have to speak up. 
And sometimes we allow those things to land on us. And can you imagine this pastor going, I'm in this small town. I'm dealing with these atheists who hate Baptists. What a great comeback. What a way to build your courage and say, I'm not going to let you keep me from being happy and, and dreaming big and living my life and doing what I'm called to do. There will always be people that will try to discourage you. Now, please understand, courage doesn't mean that there's an absence of fear. It just means that you have the will to do what's right as you face that fear. And some people say, well, you know, you're just not, you're not a realist. You, you're not looking at things um, through the lens of reality. You know, it's okay to acknowledge the things that are deficient in our lives or the fears that we might encounter, but it's never okay to bow to those fears. When I first started ministry, I, I, I was a youth pastor, and over time, because I was in some bigger churches, I had the opportunity to be invited to go speak at different youth camps throughout the country, and pastors would fly me in, and uh, <clears throat> I, got on a, I got on a flight out of Tulsa, was living there at the time, and flying through Salt Lake City, never forget it, and I'll never forget the kind of plane I was on either. I was on a 737, and it's a wide, little wide-body plane. Used to have 727s and MD-80s that were a little longer. And so we're flying, and all of a sudden, beautiful day outside, sitting in a window seat. And all of a sudden, the plane began to just shake violently. I mean, it was violent, so violent that people were grabbing bags and throwing up. And all of a sudden, the pilot just drops it. We didn't know why. Just, he just, a rapid descent and looking back, he was trying to get out of the turbulence, and it, it was pretty startling for everyone. And uh, so, you know, he came on, and he said, I, I apologize. I don't know what happened. Numerous planes have flown this same altitude ahead of us. They reported no turbulence. And, of course, nobody's listening at this point. You know, they're wiping their mouth. They're holding, you know. And so we finally land in Salt Lake, and, and for the first time, you know, I'm thinking, boy, I hope there's a long layover. You know, nobody ever prays for long layovers. But on that one, I thought, I think I need to get my stomach back. And so I get there, and I I'm, I'm get out, and I am start toward my gate. I get to my gate, and they're boarding on time. Everything's perfect. And I'm thinking, God, I, I just am not ready for this right now. But I had to get on because I had to be there. I had to do this week-long camp, and I get on the next flight and say, God, let it be okay. We had no sooner taken off than Winchester hit the plane, and we're barely off the tarmac, and it went sideways. And I went, oh, Jesus. And so finally when we land, I landed in, in San Jose or San Francisco, I don't remember which, but I, it was in that moment I realized that, that if I didn't confront the fear that I was experiencing in that moment, I would not fulfill my destiny. Little would I know that I'd be flying all over the world in, in the next decades to come and that that was what God had called me to do. And the devil uses fear to keep you from your destiny. Different things that you might face in your life may be different than the things I face in my life simply because what you're facing is the pathway to your destiny from the purpose in life. That's what fear is all about. Now, before I get into this, because I'm going to talk a lot about faith, please understand that faith is not the opposite of fear. Matter of fact, the Bible says love is. It says in 1 John 4, 18, this is how the Amplified there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love 
is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. So if you think about it this way, that love is God. God is love. So when we're wrapped up in God or wrapped up in love, there really is no place for fear to exist because God is there. And so what we have to realize is faith operates by love. Faith works through love, Scripture says. So we have to first realize the greatest component that we need in our lives to live the destiny that we possess is the love of God. So turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And I believe as I read this, you'll see Caleb had an incredible love for God and God's purpose. We have to fall in love, not just with God, but God's reason for our being here on earth. Verse 26, Numbers 13, they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. You may recall Moses sent a representative from each tribe of Israel into the promised land to spy it out for the purpose of saying, okay, what's our strategy? Not can we take it, but how are we going to take this land? What's in there? And I believe God gave these, this picture with all the grapes they had to carry on poles to inspire them to see how awesome and wonderful it was going to be. However, not every one of them caught it. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So he's saying, here where all the tribes are. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So Caleb begins to speak into what he's seeing here when they start talking about the giants or, uh, the, 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 in their life. And when Caleb's going, i got to get their mind off of the things that are going to cause fear in their life. And when you face fear, you need the Bible. You need what it says. Nothing's impossible with God. Greater is he who's in me than everything and anything in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have to speak to ourselves. Our fear in its loudness will speak to us. You can't do that. You didn't come from the right family. You grew up at the wrong time, on the wrong side of the tracks. People like us don't get ahead. You understand all those things are to instill fear in us to keep us from our destiny. You cannot stand by and entertain fear. When you get around people who tell you how bad the world is, how bad it's going to get, how horrible things are, you just have to shut them down and say, as long as God's here, everything's going to be all right. As long as we know that God is for us, who can be against us, then nothing can prevent us from operating in faith and love and moving forward. It's very easy to be moved by what we see as well as what we don't see. Sometimes what we don't see is more scary than what we do see. Because in our minds, we create images of doubt and fear and unbelief that cause us to be apprehensive about moving toward our destiny. It's very simple. I've done this for years. I've watched, I've watched with, with the online uh, platforms that we now have. I've watched people. I've seen things. It, you, 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 as pastors, you, you guys have to realize it's a whole different view what we see than what you see. 
Because we're up here alone, and we look out, we go, now, wonder what's going on out there, wonder what's going on, I wonder what happened in their lives, I wonder what's going And I just this last week, I spent, for the last 20 years, uh, three men that I went to college with, we all kind of well, went our different ways. Two of them were missionaries to Uganda. One of them rallied teenagers and took them all around the world. And then I became a pastor. Then one other one became a pastor, another one. So before long, we all kind of settled into pastoring except one guy. And we get together. He's now a global guy doing youth things. All He just had a gathering in the Philippines, 45,000 teenagers and pastors and leaders from around the world. And, and so we meet every year. And the reason we meet is to discuss church issues and, and what we've seen and what we've learned and what, we, what we're facing and what we're encountering. And, and it's a little disheartening when I first started ministry you could get about two and a half Sundays a month from the average people or the average person. That's how often people would come to church. It was a big part of their lives. Now it's down to 1.3 times a month or 1.4. And you say, well, why does that have anything to do with us? Here's what I'm saying. That as a leader, I have to every week get up and face the reality that I have to trust God and believe God that we're going to reach the people God wants us to reach. And that, that people will not stay out of church out of fear because a lot of people don't come to church because of fear. I didn't want to go to church because I was scared because a preacher really preached mean. And you ever been to one of those churches? I'm like, dear God, we're all going to hell. What, do we just gather here to make it easier on the devil? You know, it's like Sunday mornings. Let's just all get them in one place. And so it's like there was a lot of fear. I, I was afraid of the church. I was afraid of people like you. I was afraid I was going to have to change, and I couldn't. I was afraid of all these different things. People are afraid of church. Let me just tell you right now. And they're afraid because the church people historically, in their passion to see people go to heaven, have tried to scare the hell out of people instead of introduce them to heaven. And so we don't want fear. We don't want people to be afraid. And you say, well, that just makes it too easy if people don't understand how the length of eternity and, and so on and so forth. No, if you get someone to understand they are loved and God is love and God loves you and God forgives you and what you have to do is simply turn to him and repent. When you do that, you say, well, God loves you. I mean, God loves me? I never heard those words until finally one day when I was 20, two guys that that I, I thought were the biggest nerds in the world, began to show me the love of God, talk to me about the life. I thought, wow, I might have actually be interested right now. So you have to ask yourself, what are the th things don't happen overnight. Most often, miracles don't happen overnight. Sometimes they do. Sometimes in a moment, God does something. But most of the time, God wants us to exercise faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let me ask you this question. What are you having faith for? What are you believing for? Is there anything right now on your refrigerator, a magnet, a post or something that says, this is what I'm believing God for because God wants us to. And oftentimes people are afraid to believe God because they think if something doesn't happen that they're believing for, now I've got to explain God. If I was believing for healing and I didn't get healed and I died, who's going to argue with me? Who cares? I'm dead. I'll leave that with you. But until then, I'm going to believe God every day that I will walk in divine health. Every day. I just believe God for it. Uh, one of my buddies asked me, he said, uh, he, this is the real brilliant Harvard graduate. This is one of the guys I was with. And he, he sits down, he just the two of us, and he says, tell me your number. I said, what are you talking about? He said, when do you think you're going to die? I know you don't want to go on a trip like this, do you? I said, well, 
Honestly, I said, I've really not thought about it. I said, I'm just happy every day. He said, but just tell me, he said, what would that number be? He said, maybe it's based on your genetics, you, you know, your parents, your grandparents. You know, unfortunately, I have two grandparents that died in their 90s, and most of them lived a long life. My dad died in his mid-80s in pancreatic cancer, and my mother's still alive. God knows why. I mean, she's got dementia, but she's 89. And uh, so I said, well, you know, I think maybe 89. He said, well, tell me what that looks like for you financially. I said, well, you know, I would hope that, that I'd be able to, you know, make it just fine. What about health? I said, well, I'll be working out until I die. I said, it's never going to stop. He said, so what you're telling me is you, you think you can go to 89. You're going to be in good health. You're going to have enough money to do what you need to do to live. I said, yeah. He said, well, then why couldn't you live to be 90? Wouldn't you? So all of us, why 89? If you're doing that good at 89, why wouldn't you? So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm being forced to think and develop my faith into believing who knows what's possible. I happen to believe that we could live longer and it's being proven that we can. And a lot of that is driven by purpose. It's somewhere in, in, in statistics that if a person retires without a purpose, they die within five years. They lose focus. Why, what am I living for? Why am I on earth? What, am, what did God put me here for? This is why I encourage everybody to serve in the local church or serve somewhere. When you're serving people, I believe it adds years to your life. When you're looking around and say, what can I do to help other people? It adds years to our life. Now look at this. In, in Joshua chapter 14, we know that Caleb was having faith for the promise. And it says, now then, just as the Lord promised... He has kept me alive 45 years since the time he said to Moses, while it, uh, said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He shows no favorites. Here's a man, 85 years old, willing to go to battle. You know what we do in our world? Everybody starts thinking retirement because the culture says, here's when you can retire. 62, you get this money, this much money from, from your retirement, uh, from Social Security at 65, you get this one, and they start laying it out. So what we start doing is we basically start shutting down. We start coming in for a landing saying, well, you know, I can't wait till I'm 62. Well, when you're 62 and you don't know what to do and you have no purpose, there's a really good chance your life will cease to strengthen. It will actually weaken. For 45 years, Caleb convinced himself that the promise was for him. It was yes and amen from God. And what I have seen has changed my life. And nobody, not fear, not doubt, not unbelief or any person is going to keep me from the destiny and promise of God. All of us have things, obstacles, barriers in front of us. Even family members sometimes are like the other ten spies that said, we saw giants in the land. Nothing like that ever. In my family, out of 27 to 30 cousins, there were so many, I don't even know how many I have. I was only the third child, grandchild, to get a bachelor's degree out of all 30 cousins. 
My family was poor. They didn't believe in it. They didn't believe in education. They all worked hard. They all made it. They weren't extremely successful, but somehow they made it in life. And when I said I was going to go to college, it was not, that's a good idea. It's a good choice. It was, you don't need to go. And so it wasn't encouraged. And sometimes we look at people like that and we say, you know what? You begin to hate them. Sometimes what they're doing is really knocking on the door of your heart saying, will you have faith with or without me to do this? You don't need a majority vote if God has already voted for you. You don't have to have everybody's approval. Sometimes you have to stand in the face of people who are resistant. They're not your obstacle. They're not your enemy. What you believe inside you is your obstacle and enemy. How you respond is what creates the obstacle. You don't have to believe that. I'm telling you right now, we can develop our faith just like Caleb did by not giving up. Faith is developed over time, not in a moment. You will get bigger and stronger as you face adversity and you continue to face it and you continue to move forward. Many people shut down. Many people quit. Many people stop. Caleb said, I'm not stopping. And the 10 of you can say what you want, but I'm going in if I have to wait 45 years. And some of you have been waiting that long on your husband to get right. It's never going to happen. You just have to get stronger. He's a man. Okay. Faith is developed in temptation. When Jesus went out into the wilderness, he kept saying to the devil, it's written. It's written. It's written. You know why you read the Bible? You don't read the Bible to satisfy God or make God happy. You read it so you'll know what's written. There are just scriptures I've stood on. God, you bless the righteous. You surround us with favor as with a shield. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they flee in seven. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Greater are you in me than he who's in the world. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All these scriptures that you commit to memory are not so you can impress other people, but they are there so that you can fight through the fear in your life. That God will not leave us nor forsake us. That's not who he is. And so whenever you're going through a difficult time, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough whatever you're lacking, you just have to address it with faith. In reality, all you have to do is read Job. He never, Job just refused to quit. He just, kept, he just kept standing strong. He just kept believing. He never gave up. He had serious conversations with God. But in order to get courage, you have to fight for it. It's not a deposit. Courage is not a gift. It's like a muscle. It's something that's strengthened over time when resistance comes and you don't give up. I've been doing this a long time. I've dealt with families whose kids are going to hell and just acting like it, crazier than crazy. And I just say, you know what? What are your choices? You got to keep believing. You got to keep standing. You got to keep fighting. You got to keep praying. You got to keep all those things going and active in your life to develop the faith. Listen to this. Hidden in the murder, uh, hidden in murder was a great leader. His name was Moses. Hidden in the pit of depression was a great prophet, Elijah. Some of the greatest people in the Bible faced some of the most difficult things we can't even imagine. Hidden in an orphan was the voice of Israel. Her name was Esther. Hidden in the, uh, the pit of public denial was the great evangelist, the apostle Peter. Hidden in the ditch of doubt was the apostle Thomas. Hidden in the hollow of recurring lust was the great strong defender of Israel, Samson. Hidden in a lion's den was a lion tamer. His name was Daniel. All of these people faced massive obstacles. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, hidden, hidden in a furnace... 
faith to believe that if God doesn't deliver me, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're standing strong in what we believe. Don't let fear keep you from the dreams. Don't let your grade point average, if you're young, keep you from believing you can still do something great for God. We have to stand strong in faith or fear will consume our lives. Courage begins with encouragement. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called developing friendships. You build courage not by just communicating, but by developing friendships that will encourage you instead of discourage you. Ask yourself the question when I'm around certain people and be very honest with yourself. How do I feel when I leave that conversation? If you go to eat with somebody or you go out to dinner with somebody, ask yourself the question, do I leave encouraged? Do I leave inspired? Was the conversation authentic? I mean, is it real? Or were they trying to discourage me? I don't ever hang out with people who are discouraging people. You know, I mean, I get so tired of the media and the hate and all the, I rarely even read stuff anymore because I'm like, why? I know how to pray. I know how to believe God. I don't care what the world looks like today. It can change in a moment with God. You don't have any fear of how this whole thing plays out if you're a born-again Christian. There's no fear. People say the world's going to end tomorrow. Praise God, I'm going to go charge a lot of stuff today. I think I'll go get a Maserati and just drive it because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I'm not going to get all gloom and doom and go, oh, my God, he's coming back. I'm going to say, oh, my God, I'll be right there because he is my God. I'm in a good place. People say, well, you, I don't have any fear of dying. You say, I had a fear of death. I don't know how many of you have ever had that. I have no fear. I don't even I think about how long I'll live. I just care about living while I live. Enjoying your life while you're alive. And, you know, I mean, think about it. We all talk about how wonderful heaven's going to be, but nobody wants to go right now. <laughs> that was a rousing amen right there. <laughs> We're not trying to get up a busload today. All I'm saying is this, is you can keep the joy in your life, in this life, and not let fear apprehend you just because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, what the election's going to look like in 2020. It's going to get uglier before it gets prettier. It might get more entertaining. Just turn on the debates and laugh because none of them know what they're talking about. If their mouth's moving, they're probably lying. I'm just telling you right now, it's a sad day. Everybody wants to get elected. And you know what? There'll be good people at the end of the day. Whoever's in office, God let them in. And boy, I got all kinds of heat over that in the last two decades. I'm just looking and saying, why are you getting unhappy? Well, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. It doesn't change one thing for me outside of this. I may have to live in a little different their world, but I'm going to stay happy inside because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not going to let the fear of that happen in my life and get all uptight with somebody, get in a fight and lose friends. If you vote for the wrong person, you just vote for the wrong person. Which one's the wrong person? I'm not telling you. That's what everybody wants to do is, well, what do you think? It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what God's speaking to you and what you think. I'm not called to be a political rally person. I'm called to pray and believe God. I'm called to preach the good news and keep you all happy in the midst of a very sad world out there. And the reason it's sad, they haven't found God yet. I'm telling you, if everybody found God, it would scare the hell out of the devil. Or the devil out of hell. I'm not sure. Because as long as he's got confusion and chaos and doubt and unbelief, he's got the world right where he wants it. 
We have to face the fear. So surround yourself with the right friends. Courage comes when you surround yourself with people who will speak up like Caleb spoke up. He said, hold it, stop. Stop. Right now, let's quit looking at the giants and look at the giant grapes. The giant possibilities. This is all about perspective. How you view life will be how you live life. If you view life through a negative lens, then you'll probably have a very fearful life. But if you look and see nothing is impossible with God, that my situation can change in a moment, if all I do is keep the faith and and I'll bring pleasure to the heart of God. Third thing is courage has a disciplined focus. It doesn't just have good friends. And it's not just developed over time, but you use focus. What is your focus? Is your focus on fear? Is your focus on what you don't have? Or is your focus on what you could have if you just keep believing like Caleb did? I know I can. I mean, think about this. You got 10 people. They've been in the wilderness. They've been trying to get to this place called the promised land. And and they get there and they go in. They see it's as wonderful as everything they've heard. And then 10 people come back and say, but we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We're small. We're nothing. They'll laugh at us. Caleb had to silence the crowd. Sometimes you have to silence the crowd. Maybe the crowd is your husband, your wife, your family, your boss, maybe whatever. Sometimes you have to say, if God said it, we can do it or he wouldn't have said it. We have to keep believing even when we don't see it. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. These are Caleb's words. His focus was not on the obstacle. His focus was on the possible that God had committed to them. As we approach the end of this year and we look at 2020, I'm just promising you right now that you will hear things and you will see things and there will be there to create fear in your life. And we have to confront that fear. Don't confront the people confront the fear the people who are trying to instill fear in you are not the problem though I don't hang around with them the people that are trying to instill fear in you give you an opportunity to exercise faith in your life Caleb focused on a right response get this courage reaches out fear lashes out many times when people lash out at you it's because they're afraid they don't dislike you they're afraid They're scared to death. Courage reaches out. So when someone reaches out to you and they're positive, it shows courage that they'll stand with you and believe. The Bible says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. You don't come to ruin overnight. You don't come to ruin in a moment. It's a season where someone puts fear in you to believe that you can't do something that God has called you to to do. Before I started this church, one of my best friends is an attorney in Tulsa. He's a Christian man. The books, this is how it's going to play out. So everything is in concrete. And when I talked to him about starting the church, he wasn't encouraging at all. Now, I could choose to get mad at him and not making him a friend anymore. Now, he's still my friend, but I don't ever talk to him about church. But every now and then I've wanted to call him and say, it's working out pretty well. But he was not encouraging. 
and almost felt like God was saying, you know what? I assigned those words to see how you would respond. Do you believe more in what he says or what I say? Because sometimes that's really what it boils down to. Do you believe in what God is saying about you and saying to you? Or do you believe what someone's opinion is over God's promise? A lot of times we get afraid because somebody that we like or love or know or is brilliant tells us what cannot be done that God said do. And we quit. Stay focused and don't be moved by other people. Now, I'm going to read this story, and I'm going to close. It's an interesting story. I don't know many, how many of you like all the Chuck Norris jokes, but, you know, Texas Ranger. A friend of mine was a friend of Chuck Norris, and so this story's kind of resonated. I'm going to read it to you. It's kind of funny because he has to keep his focus because Chuck Norris could probably snap about, what, that time? Maybe not now, but when he was a Texas Ranger, he was a stud. And everybody knew it, you know. So Chuck Norris, uh, he was sitting in a restaurant, and, just relaxing in a corner booth. And a big man walked up to him in, in an irritated tone and uh, told Norris he was sitting in his booth. Well, he didn't recognize him at the moment. And so Chuck got up and understood his tone was a threat and just got up and moved to another booth. And you'd think, wow, why wouldn't Chuck Norris look at him and say, I'm going to give you about two minutes to get out of here, then I'm going to snap you. So when he arrived at the new booth, he looked directly at me. The man came over to the new booth where Chuck was, and he looked at him, and he said, uh, you're Chuck Norris. He said, yeah, I am. He said, you could have whipped me back there a few minutes ago. Why didn't you? He said, what would it have approved? He thought that over for a moment and then offered me his hand. No hard feelings, he said. None, I said, and shook his hand. I had avoided a confrontation and made a friend. I won by losing. Now, in that moment, Chuck Norris could have feared his reputation. What would this look like? This man's wanting to threaten me. But he just said, you know what? I'm going to keep my, I'm going to be a better man because my focus is on who you I am. I know who I am. And a lot of times, fear is a result of not knowing who you are. And the reason we lash out and fear causes us to lash out is because we feel insecure and intimidated. And we, we're afraid. We fear how people will perceive us, what they'll think about us if we don't respond the way we think they want us to. All I'm saying is this, don't let fear control your decisions. Don't let fear control your life. The God who's brought you this far will keep bringing you where he wants. Don't have arguments with people to try to prove to them you're not afraid. Live your life in such a way that proves to them you're not afraid. You don't need their approval. You don't need to conquer them. They're not your enemy. Your enemy is resident in you, and that enemy is fear. And the only way to overcome it is to let the perfect love of God operate faith through your life and watch the outcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a good God and that fear has no place in our lives. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but your word says of love and of power and of a sound mind. So, God, I thank you today that whatever somebody's been afraid of or what they fear right now, Lord, that that fear would be confronted and that they would not bow. They would not allow it to control their decisions. They will not stop moving forward. Lord, today is a new day. And I pray for strength, for love, for faith in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> I just want to take a moment and pray for those of you that may not have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perfect love casts out fear. So, and when perfect love comes...
it makes a lot of sense. It drives out the fear that we experience around us every day. So I want all of you to pray this with me and all of you watching online. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I re- Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.